Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. I uh, ran into a friend yesterday at the hardware store and he had a, a bunch of what would be stuff in his hands, caulking and different things that you would use for repairing your house. So we had this brief conversation that he had discovered some siding on the back of his house that was starting to show signs of rot and things like that. And it was good to uh, pull that off and replace and repair and fix and so forth. Now I was thinking about how that relates to kind of what we've been talking about in our series, Built to Last, to where there's things in our life. Uh, and so often we we sort of put it off and we see, yeah, there's probably something there that I need to take care of, but maybe down the road because I don't really want to give it time. Or if I begin to take that off in my life, then it'll show something even worse that I didn't want to deal with. And so we always have those things that reminds me, we recently helped our daughter and son-in-law remodel parts of their house and we got tearing into the bathroom and find that there was a lot of rot that was on the floor and in the wall and had to tear an entire wall out to rebuild. And so sometimes when we're going through our life and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us, sometimes he shows us these things and said, hey, there's a little more over here, but if you get that out, I will put a fresh new touch on there, and it makes a huge difference. And so as we go through, that's kind of what we're doing is addressing things that are in our life that God wants to bring to our attention and say, hey, you know what, there's some things here we can get this moved out of the way so that I can bring in what needs to be brought in to build you up and to be so you're built to last. And so that's our series, and we're in week four of that this morning. So Lord, I thank you as you continue to speak to us through your word this morning that you're so faithful, you're good. And Lord, we've had a great time of worshiping you this morning, and your presence is here, and we sense that. And so we're just asking that you speak to us individually on a personal level, those things that you want to address in our own lives. So we are thankful for that. We know that you love us, and you do it because you love us. And so we receive that from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The first thing I want to address this morning and the first word is failures. Anybody ever had a failure in your life? Any failures? So not even half of you. I love doing these little polls because it's obvious not everybody wants to raise their hand because uh, I'm not going to call you out if you raise your hand, so it's okay. Be comfortable in that. So yeah, we've all had failures in our life of one type or or another, and I put here just basically some definitions here, a, a failing to perform a duty or expected action, a state of inability to perform a normal function, a fracturing or giving way under stress or just lack of success. There's a lot of things that go in that. But you know that the road to success is marked with failures. And so you read stories of very successful CEOs of large corporations, and you start getting into their life, and they'll tell you, because they always ask, how did you get here? They'll tell you a lot of failures, a lot of failures. And that's just part of our life, and that's hopefully how we learn. And so our road to success, hopefully, is we learn from those failures. But if we focus on those failures, we won't be able to succeed in our life and growing in God. So we cannot focus on our failures. We look at those and use them for opportunity to grow. 
And so that's important for us. Failure is only final when we stop trying or when we give up. And so we can't do that in our life. It's so important. You know, God is so generous with his never failing love. He never fails. Absolutely never fails us. And so it's important that we allow that into our life as a positive influence. And it affects how we talk to others and how we speak into the lives of other people. And so it's important that we can do that. And so many times I know failure also can come to us no fault of our own. It can happen because somebody else has played into it or a situation or circumstances beyond our control has caused failure in us. And so those things can happen as well. But how do we handle those things and how do we work through those? I kind of flash back about 45 years ago when I was in seventh grade and I wanted to try out for the baseball team for junior high school. And I figured this was going to be easy. I've been playing baseball a lot. I was pretty good at it. And so I went to try out with all these guys, kids my age. And we were out there. And I was a little bit concerned because I really never got an opportunity to show my skills. And I, I was confused when I left this. was It only went for like an hour or something like that. But it, it seemed like all the focus was on certain boys there that I knew them and uh, well this is strange this is not how I've seen you know tryouts before whatever whatever and then the coach that was coaching who uh, he said well I'll post whoever made the team I'll post it you know on the on the bulletin board at school well I got there the next day and my name wasn't on there well I'm like "Hmm, okay well and then I realized (laughs) I started thinking about it more that all of the kids that he chose were all the kids that were in his homeroom that he knew them. He didn't know me. I didn't know him, but he never, we never had that opportunity. But for me, it was still a failure, I felt, on my part to do it. So instead of allowing that failure to define me and say, I just end up figured, you know what? Oh, one of the things that he said was, this was the kind of, oh, be nice to, to you kids that didn't make it. Well, I will put a good word in for you for the summer leagues well, thank you. In fact, I had already been playing in the summer leagues, and I was one of the better players on the team, so I'm like, okay, whatever that is. But I could have taken that as, well, Michael Jordan. <laughs> Do we know that? He was cut from his, was it his freshman year in high school and basketball team? So it doesn't really matter. So, so failure, just because of something that you failed, don't allow that to define you or say, oh, I, I wasn't meant to be for me. Just use that as a stepping stone or something to help you get past that. So that's important. Psalm 73, 26. We'll jump into a few scriptures here. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. We're all going to have failing health. That's inevitable unless Jesus comes before some of us have that. But here on earth, we're going to have Health challenges, our health fails, and sometimes our spirit grows weak. But one thing remains, God is faithful. He's the strength of our heart. He's our strength, he's our source, and he is ours forever, amen? Lamentation 3, 22 and 23 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I love that, because when I get up in the morning, it's like, good morning, Lord. First of all, you're saying, because you woke up, you're thankful that you woke up, 
Say, Lord, I'm still here today. You have something for me today. God, your mercies are new today. You have a plan today. And you may be going right in the middle of going through something right now, and it's a challenge. And you might see that I'm, maybe I won't get through this. But each morning we say, Lord, it's not my life. <laughs> You've given me this, and I'm here for your purpose. Thank you, Lord, for your mercies. And we receive that from him each day. I tell you what, the devil hates it when we get out of bed in the morning. Because he's like, oh, shoot, he's back at it again. He's coming after me again. Because that's well, when our feet hit the floor in the morning. It's like, devil, your worst nightmare just hit the floor. And, you know, we go after our day and we go after him. And we take authority over him, whatever is necessary. Habakkuk chapter 3, starting in verse 17. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the field lies empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the field and the cattle barns are empty, that's not a good day for anybody, is it? That's, that's a lot of stuff that's no good at this point. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. How do we do that? I don't know. We can't do it in our own strength. We cannot. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. In the middle of our stuff, in the middle of barrenness, in the middle of everything going wrong, yet, <laughs> thank you, Lord, yet I will rejoice, yet I will rejoice. And we need to be reminded of this daily, because I'm telling you, we're all human beings here, and we all get in funks, and we all, woe is me, and we all feel like, wow, how did this happen? Why did it happen? but we need to be reminded of the word of the Lord to us. Here's one that I think we all can identify with, Romans 3, 23 and 24. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Good. Let's get that out of the way. That is a fact. And there's not one of us in this room that hasn't fallen short, that has not sinned, that hasn't made mistakes. So we're all in the same boat together. That is a fact. We've all done that. But verse 24 says, Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. That is another fact. It's his grace, and he comes in. How did that happen? He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. When he died on the cross for our sin, boom, his grace came in and just leveled everything else that was there. <laughs> and he comes in, he's like, yeah, I know you sinned. Yeah, I know you messed up, but here it is. Here's the covering, and he came and did that. You know, it's interesting. There wasn't a list of sins. When God designed everything, and when he sent his son to the cross to die, he didn't come up with this list. You know, the left side are going to be sins that, that I'll cover. The right side over here, if you look over here, there's going to be sins. I'm not going to cover those. No, there was no list. There was no, you know, order. There wasn't, well... Here's a box next to this one, but you only get two mess-ups on this one because of what that sin is. No, there's none of that. So often we do that in our own mind. We kind of have these boxes that we check like, well, if I do that, God probably won't forgive me. No, he's done it all for everything. And we come with the repentant heart to him, and he is so faithful to forgive us. Hebrews 12, 15. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Look after each other so that none of you fail to receive the grace of God. What is that? Grace was made available for all of us at the cross. 
God saw to it that that was for us. But we have a responsibility also in that, because he's the giver of grace. But we also share in the distribution of grace and how that works. Grace is expressed through everyone sitting in this room. You can choose to give grace or not. God said, I've chosen to give it. And here we are sitting here on earth trying to decide whether or not it's valid or not, or we, we have this measuring tool whether we're going to give grace to somebody based on how we perceive it. God didn't do it that way. He just light blanket right there. It's grace. It's for everything. So how we react and respond to each other, and that's why this verse is so important in here. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive God's grace. We can actually block by saying something to somebody hurtful. We can block them from receiving that grace, but we can get in the way of God's plan. I don't want to be the one that God looks down and says, get out of my way. You're messing with my child right here. You're messing with my creation. I don't want to be that one. He's the judge, not me. We need to stay out of it and just allow it to flow through us. It just works better that way. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. See, that can happen, and it says corrupting many. Bitterness can happen on both sides of grace in the sense of the person needing it and the person not granting it. <laughs> There's bitterness that can happen. It's like we can become bitter if we're, if we're not careful. So the word is telling us, be careful. Don't allow that poisonous of bitterness to grow, to come, and to get into our life. So then if we are allowing ourselves to be free, we become free to overcome from failures. We're, we're overcomers. We become those who gain superiority or to gain advantage over whatever that was, and we overcome it. We overcome the plans of the enemy to harm us. He's out there trying to harm us all the time. Just as Jesus overcame the temptation of Satan, when Satan came and he challenged him. Now, we need to learn the Jesus way, because Jesus did this. Satan, the scripture says... See, we can't say to Satan, well, I'm telling you, Satan, based on my opinion, you should do this or that. No, we have the, all the leverage we need in the scripture. Jesus said, no, this, he says, no, Satan, the scripture says, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word out of the mouth of God. And, and he continues to try to go after him, but he comes back to respond. No, I'm not going to jump off this peak. This doesn't, you know, because the scripture says, oh, you, you know, I'll give you everything you bow down and worship. No, the scripture says... That's why we need the scripture. That's why we need the word. We need the word. And if you need to write it out on cards and post it in your bathroom or post it on your wall or in your car or whatever, because the enemy is going to come and he's going to come after you and go tell you things. And you're going to say, no, the scripture says we have to do that or we will get beat up. But, you know, we do have the authority over Satan. When he wants to cause us failure, we just confidently tell him, no, Satan, the scripture says, or my Bible says, or the word of God says, I'm more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ. He gives me the strength. I am the head. I'm not the tail. Resist the devil and he will flee. We can say those things and it builds confidence in us and faith in us. Numbers chapter 13, starting in verse 25, this is talking about the promised land. So after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. 
This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in Negev, and Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. So all of these reasons why, negative stuff. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses, because they're all like, no, this can't, we're not going to be able to do this. Look at all the negative. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. It's confidence to overcome. Confidence to overcome whatever failure, whatever the thing that we see is going to be in our way. Because it's easy to say, oh, no, we can't do that. Look at the problem here. Look at the stump of giants in the land. There's no way I could get that job. There's no way that, you know, that I could, would be able to do that, whatever it is, because of A, B, and C. But God wants us to look at his word and go, no, but the word says, the scripture says, we can do this. Deuteronomy 20, verse 4. For the Lord your God is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies. He will give you victory. I love that. because he, he said, it's my battle to fight. Let me go before you. Yeah, exactly. We get in his way so often. He's like, clear the room. I'm going after this thing. First John 5, starting in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. How many believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yeah, we got a few more. Let's go ahead and jump to the, the next one, indecision. Indecision, that one gets me a lot. Not able to make a decision. <laughs> I get paralyzed so often in those things. My, kind of my personality of who I am is kind of, I get caught in that. It's a wavering between two or more possible courses of action. <laughs> you get there too? Yeah, it's like, oh man, what do I do? Do I go to the gym this morning or do I stay in bed? <laughs> How many have ever had that one go through your mind? <laughs> Easy choice for some, you just stay in bed, right? You know, those things. But because we were created to make choices, we're not, and we're not robots, because if we were robots, we wouldn't have to worry about indecisiveness. Everything would be figured out, and, and it would work. But we're not. That's not how God created us. So we fall into indecisiveness, and it's hard. And they can keep us from moving forward. Those lack of making decisions can, can cause us to waver back and forth. Mm, do I? Do I not? But understand, God doesn't always give us a clear answer. Isn't that kind of a bummer? I would love it if every time I went to God and he said, oh, Steve, yep, right here. Good, I'm up, I'm going. But well, he doesn't do it my way. I would love that. But we have to trust him in the process and we have to move forward in some regard. So here, here's a quick poll. Who are quick decision makers? If you're, you're pretty quick at making decisions, raise your hand. Yeah, so we have a few. Yeah, but it looks like, so now I'm going to ask the other question. Who here are a little more, so we got one honest person. Okay, there we go. The rest of you, you're just waiting for Jonathan to raise his hand. He's like, broke the ice. <laughs> I know what was happening here. 
you were pondering whether to raise your hand or not. And trying to figure out, you know, that. And I get that. So I have to give time for that. I know for me personally, I just remember this started years ago for me. But I would, when I was beginning to think about buying a truck, <laughs> my wife was, it, I don't know. I made every decision, read everything, pondered so many things. And I just went on and on and on and on. And I couldn't make a decision because I needed more facts. I just needed a little bit more. And then I would get this one little thing that would say, oh, you don't want to buy that truck because somebody said, well, I had one of those and this bad happened. And you're like, oh man, that's the one I thought I was going to buy. Now you start all over again, right? But we, people, we need to be decision makers and be able to make decisions. But indecision is tough. So if we look, 1 Kings 18, so this, we look in the Bible, verse 20. So Ahab summoned all the uh, people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. This is where... They were looking at getting a sacrifice, and then was God going to consume the sacrifice, or was it going to be Baal? And so there was this competition here going back and forth. So then Elijah stood in front of them and said, how much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people were completely silent, indecision, indecisiveness. Not trusting God was certainly in here and making kind of wrong decisions. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 8. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I never liked that scripture, <laughs> but it's there for a reason. So when troubles come, great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. When your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So here's the part we're looking at. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Wow. Being indecisive in our faith gets us tossed around by the elements that surround us. If we're not confident and decisive in moving out in what God is telling us, we just get bounced around and we, we hear that word that says that truck is not a good truck or, you know, we hear those things. If we hang out long enough, what we thought we were confident in could be just torn apart by the enemy or listening to other voices. And when God comes in and says, hey, clearly this is what I want, it makes a difference. James 4.17 says, remember it is sin to know what you ought to do, then not do it. Hmm. I always like dig those scriptures up and I go, Lord, really? <laughs> but he covers all that with his grace, so that's good to know. So then that brings us to this place of being free to be decisive because we need to be in this place. Basically having the power or quality of deciding, having a resolve or a determination. Now, here's things that are very important. When we pray, number one, because we need to pray when we're making decisions. Now, I used to tease my mom because she would pray whether or not to wear a certain piece of clothing or whatever. So, that's, why she so, that's why she always looks so good? I will guarantee my dad doesn't pick her clothes out for her. <laughs> pray, receive wise counsel, and we place our decision before God. Then we must resolve to be committed to our decision in that. But it's important because sometimes we like to leave out things like, 
pray. <laughs> we just jump into something and realize that wasn't good. Or we fail to seek wise counsel because we know that if we do, that they're not going <laughs> to line up with our crazy idea that's probably not from God. And then placing our decision before the Lord to be tested, that's always important too, especially in a major decision. But there are times that it's very clear as to the decision, it's very clear to us, this is what God wants. But there are also times that it seems like, man, there's more than one door here. I could go down and they both are very good. Which do I choose? Which do I choose? There's two doors. There's two opportunities. There's two jobs. There's two you know, houses. There's two whatever. There's two decisions I could make, and they both seem to be good. What do I do? I believe the key is to pick one. Start going through that door. Because if they both seem like if you're looking at it and you weigh everything out and there's kind of equal possibilities that seem like these could both be good, well, pick one and start going down it. Open that door and start going through because, you know what, God's faithful enough to either close that door or change circumstances. But if we don't move, those doors will still be there and waiting. We don't move thinking, well, God hasn't told me which door to go through yet. Well, sometimes he wants to get us just moving. He's not making every decision for us. So if we do this with the right heart and we're honoring God, it will be the right decision. You know, and you could get down there and then look back and go, well, now it makes sense why I didn't choose that door. We just know how God works. He has the priority, God does, and he has the authority to close a door or change our direction. So we just need to be decisive in that. First Samuel 17 32, 37 says, don't worry about the Philistines, David told Saul. I'll go fight them. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears. And I'll do this to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. <laughs> Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Could you argue with that? This confident young man of God, he says, no, God's done this for me. I know he'll do it. Let me go do it. That's being decisive and going after what he believes God is saying to do and you know, Saul's like, all right, dude, go for it. Luke 7, verse 1 through 10. When Jesus finished saying all these things to the people, he returned to Capernaum. At that time, the highly valued slave of Roman officer was sick near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent home respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they said, for he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. So Jesus went with them, but just before they arrived at the house, the officers sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I'm not worthy of such an honor. I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And when the officer's friend returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. This was a, he was confident 
and decisive of what he said. No, I don't need all that. I don't. I just need to. I just need a word. Just give me a word and go. And so when God gives us a word, <laughs> we got to be confident in that. The last one is greediness. Ooh, greediness. Basically, having a craving for possessions or greed really does keep us from helping those in need around us. It does. It kind of locks that door. And there's a wall really, that can cut off blessing that comes back to us when we're greedy. You know, God does things and arranges things a certain way. So sowing out of abundance is easy, right? If you've got $1,000 in your pocket and somebody comes up and says, hey, you know what, I could really use $5 right now. Oh, here you go. But sowing out of our lack is another story. Can we do it? Can we do it when God says, hey, I want you to, I want you to help out that person. I want you to sow into that. And we're like, well, Lord, I only have $5 to last me for a week. And he's like, great, that's all I need. That's all I want. It's not so easy. But it's a mindset that we get in. God wants to break us of that. It's interesting. I don't want to take too much time on this point, but I was, i just been finding myself reading some incredible stories lately on people who are turning to Christ, who are very influential people. And the other night I couldn't sleep and I just lay in there and lay there. So I then started watching this interview that lasted probably an hour and a half or something of somebody, this guy, I don't know, he's from another country. It seemed like he had a different uh, accent, but he was interviewing Kanye West. Now some of you are like, who's Kanye West? That's fine. But some of you know who he is and arguably probably one of the most influential entertainers in the world and certainly in the United States. And if you know anything about his life, you, this guy was not a good guy. And he talks about in his testimony of the bondage he was in and the, the drugs, the alcohol, and the sex addiction and all of these things that were ruining his life. But yet he had this constant urge to get his name out there, to be very greedy in the sense of amassing things and everybody bow to me and I'm Jesus, I'm God. Kind of this whole putting himself up on this pedestal of this trying to to be like he's the one everybody needs. And so now to listen to him 180 degrees different, and honestly, I'm not, and I hope none of us are the ones to judge because Christians can be horrible at judging. Like, well, here we have this mission to go get people and bring them into the kingdom and get them saved. But when somebody gets saved and then you question, well, are they really saved? Are they just doing that for, come on, (laughs) come on. Do you think God can save Kanye West? Good thing, because he did. According to his testimony, and he talks about now of everything he's focused with in his vision for the next 20 years is to see people come to Christ. It's crazy to think, really, God, you can do that? Yeah, he can. It's begun, and I think the influence that this guy has, and for whatever reason, he's got a huge following. I'm not huge on the... I don't know, because I don't really listen to him. I'm not that big on that kind of music. But now he has a new album, Jesus is King, and he's got a movie that's coming out called Jesus is King. And I think, wow, this guy has a huge platform. He was on, he's on TV talk shows and stuff. And then I saw his wife, who some of you know, Kim Kardashian. And I don't, again, I don't follow her or whatever, but she's on this show called The View, which is, I don't know, a women's show, I guess. She's talking about her husband, and all these ladies are looking at her like, she's like, my husband's a Christian. He, he accepted Christ as his savior. They're like, 
you know, and then it's starting to talk about this. And I'm thinking, wow, this is cool. This is cool. And I'm thinking, God is just coming in. When everything seems like it's falling apart, God goes, nope, I want that one right there. Yep. And I'm going to put him right front and center. Is he going to mess up? Probably. But you know what? His heart right now, if you do any research, I don't know, again, I'm not going to judge this. I'm just saying, God, you're amazing. And for, for this to happen in this person's life. And then I'm reading a story that Brad Pitt got saved. So I'm like, okay, okay. So God, what are you doing? He's like, okay, I'm going to start changing things. I'm going to start shifting things. Because in our country right now, there's so much going down when it comes to uh, God and Christians and everything. And there's so much barrage against that. And I just believe God is just like up there going, yep, I, I can handle this. I can handle this. So I like what's going on right now in our country in the sense of that God is in charge. Amen. Proverbs 15, 27. Greed brings grief to the whole family, but those who hate bribes will live. I always like Proverbs. It's like pretty straightforward. Proverbs 28, 25 said, Greed causes fighting. Trusting the Lord leads to prosperity. Another goo in Luke 12, 13 through 15. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, meaning Jesus, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. <laughs> That's kind of, who's going to call out their brother in front of other people, and especially in front of Jesus, like knowing that he's not going to do this, but you tell him. Well, Jesus replied, Friend, who made me judge over you and to decide such a thing as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. It's interesting because his brother is like, I got to have that. You tell him. She's like, Hey. It's not what life is. First Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now, make sure we understand that this verse says the love of money. Because so many people say, well, the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. No, it isn't. But the love of it is. When, we, when, when that becomes our God, that becomes the thing that we chase after instead of chasing after God. So that puts us in this place, then, if we can get through this greediness, in a sense, then we become free to be generous. And this is the final part of what we're going to talk about. But it's marked by abundance or ample proportions. Liberal in giving, kind-hearted, thoughtful, ungrudging, or unselfish. See, generosity is a lifestyle. It really is. I know that if you ever, you look at like people who play the lottery and there's a lot of those people that play it that don't know how to handle money. And so you find that a high, high percentage of those people who had millions in their hands a few years later are broke. It's because they didn't, when they didn't have any or had very little, they didn't know how to handle it then. So if you, if you can't handle what you have and you're not generous out of what you have when you don't have it, you're not going to be generous or be able to handle if a big sum comes into you. Because I've heard people say, well, man, if God just blessed me with a million dollars, then I would give some to the church. Okay, well... That's cool, but what about now? Where are we at now? In that, so this lifestyle that we begin, it's a daily basis for us, and, and it's the spirit of giving back to God. It really is. And so when we're blessed, when we give out of resources, give out of our resources, God has entrusted those to us. He's given those. They're all his, but he's asked us to be stewards over those things. And so we get blessed. And so our time, giving of finances, or any kind of resources, it's not just money, because there's a lot of things that we can do that we can be generous in. And we honor him when we do that. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. And that's not just money. We give of ourselves, and we, 
we volunteer to do things and we serve. And, and there's something that gives back to us when we do that. There's something there. Our greatest blessings come from being able to do something knowing I will not be repaid by this. I will not be getting anything in return. There's something about that that there's blessings that come. And also when we tithe, Satan's curse is broken. <laughs> we know that. Broken off of our finances. And generosity can become contagious. It really can. And I believe that's the life we need to live, a life of generosity. And I believe that's, that's part of being in the, in the family of God is the generosity. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. These aren't just words in the Bible. These are profound truths that are in the word of God that work. See, I, I like to call them the principles in the word of God. There are principles that if we put them in our life and we put them into practice, they work. They work. And I, I've had people come to me and say, well, I, you know what? A couple months ago, I actually gave something to somebody, but, um, but God didn't bless me. So I stopped. Okay, well, I guess he stopped too when you stopped. <laughs> you know, so what it, whatever that is. So 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 11. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. The one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You each must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. I'm not pressuring you this morning. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. There's one more scripture I want to read to you. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good, then they will be rich in all good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. I will say this in my own life. This is one, one thing that really took a little while early on in my life for God to teach me this whole generosity thing. Because I always felt like whatever I got, I worked hard for, and I was going to make sure that it got used for whatever my needs were. And I didn't have, I wasn't able to see outside the box of myself and my needs and my family's needs. And when God began to show me different things that how generosity works and when we put it into practice, and it became very freeing for me. And when I began, we, my wife and I would pray about something and when God would speak to us, the identical same thing when we weren't we weren't talking to each other about, and, and let's say that it was um, an amount of money to give towards a need. And we would be praying and she would say, what God tell you? And I'd say, well, what God tell you? 
And I always had the, I always would have the figure in my mind that I told myself. And then I had the figure that God would tell me. And his figure was always bigger than my figure for some reason. And a couple times I would tell her, I said, well, this is what I think we should give. And she said, really? I'm like, no, actually that was the thing I was thinking, yeah. This is what God told me. She goes, that's what I thought because that's the same thing that God told me. She always would arrive to it very quickly and I kind of take the puller out. But eventually I was like, okay, Lord, I get where you're going with this. He had to break something in me. But once that generosity becomes loosed and it's not just money again. So I think there's things that we can do with our time we can do to help people. Simply opening your door and saying, hey, come in for a drink of coffee, have a cup of coffee or whatever it is. Or, hey, here's a meal. Or, hey, let me help you with that project. I know that you're injured or you can't do this or whatever. So those kinds of things, that's generosity. So I wanted just to go over those three things that we covered this morning. Those are things that if we can flip those to, to become a positive thing for us, and we work through those things, we become built to last. Because we all know there's an enemy out there that wants to take us out. He wants to keep you from fulfilling the will of God in your life. And he's out there trying so hard. But if we can be there for each other, encouraging each other, and, and seeing that whatever needs to be taken down, making sure that what comes in to replace it are principles that work in, in the Word of God that work, that we can have that solid foundation because the wind's blowing today in your life, the storms in your life today. And it's hard, it really is hard. But God has made a way for each and every one of us to get through these things, to make us better for it and be stronger. Sometimes it's just the simple fact that when you get through whatever you're going through, that you're gonna, you're gonna find somebody going through what you just went through and they're gonna be messed up by it. And you're gonna go, you know what? I've been there and this is what God did for me. That can be very helpful. We stand as we conclude this morning. We're just gonna sing a song of worship and we're in his presence this morning. After we sing this, and I just wanna pray for you this morning and uh, we'll, we'll be dismissed in a few moments. Just allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak to you this morning, what he has to say to you. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 